1: I'm Jim Richardson. I want to welcome you to message number five in this, what I think is a powerful series, and it is about the power of perfect love. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Love is the motive from which God does everything that he does, but, but I want you to understand something, and we may come back and talk about this some more. i talked about this a lot in my series on faith righteousness. Most of my life, I would have told you that when you get to the core of who God is, when you get as as deep into God as you could get, uh, what you're going to find is love. Well, that's actually not true. I was I, I'm I'm not saying it's totally wrong, but when you get to the core of who God is, what you actually find is righteousness, and everything else beyond the scope of righteousness. Uh, only works and it only accomplishes the goals that God intends for it to accomplish when uh, it is motivated by other healthy attitudes, other healthy motives. So you know, righteousness that is not motivated by love and mercy is always going to be brutal. It's going to be mean. It's going to be critical. It's going to be hard. But righteousness that is motivated by love is where you speak the truth in love. You you you're able to discuss challenging things without beating people up and making them feel bad about themselves because we've talked all about uh, the truth and what the truth the truth always has that intention of harmonizing people with God where you become one with God that's what Jesus talked about in John 17 and by by becoming one with God then you are able to establish heaven on earth and so this is where you experience the kingdom of heaven here in this world because of because of what's going on in your heart. Now, so, so love is the one of the most crucial attributes of God, but it is not actually more important than righteousness. Because if we don't have righteousness, if we don't start with righteousness, then how are we going to define love? Because God defines love through explaining what righteousness is. And then you know, you say, okay, then then what is mercy? I'm telling you, what most people are preaching out there for mercy today is pure. Selfish narcissism and has nothing to do with what God describes as mercy because we're not using the righteousness of God to define mercy. We're not using, why are we not using the righteousness of God? Because we think that anything that's based on the law and the commandments is somehow evil or somehow bad. It's not. The only thing, the only time the law and the commandments are bad is when. We misuse them when we use them for a wrong purpose. but we start discovering that uh, what the law describes what righteousness is but it doesn't give you the power to be righteous. It, doesn't, it can't make you righteous. and so so if but if I don't if I don't know the law and the commandments but I don't know what the, what love looks like, I don't know what mercy looks like. I don't know what forgiveness looks like. I don't know what anything really looks like. So today we're talking about love or narcissism because and I believe it's unintentional. I don't really believe the great majority of people who who preach a very limited concept of, of the love of God, I don't really believe that they intend to inspire some of the unhealthy things that they actually inspire. You know, for years back in the 80s, I had a close friend, and we both preached the message of grace. And, um, and and more than once, I had people come up to me after we would do a meeting. I actually had to distance myself from this guy. I loved him; he was a dear friend, and he started out on track and got way, way off track. But I would have this comment made to me, uh, where people would say, "When I hear you preach, uh, I feel like I can live a righteous life, and when I feel him preach." I feel like I don't want to live and don't need to live a righteous life. Now, many people will say that preaching a one-sided message uh, about love, where you have no responsibility and those things, they say that, that will not actually make people want to sin. You don't you don't know people. If people have it in their heart to want to find a way to take a shortcut, uh, and we preach an irresponsible message, we actually empower them and lead them down a path of destruction. And so One of the things that I'm seeing uh, in in certain segments of the body of Christ today is I'm seeing uh, messages that are partial truths about grace, about love, about mercy, about forgiveness, about all these things that that are true and they're in the Bible, but because they're not being preached from the full counsel of God, they are facilitating people who are kind of hanging on the edge. You know, the apostle Paul warned about that. He, he warned about people who are just narrowly escaping and how through uh, corrupt teachers. And again, I'm not saying that the people who do this are, are corrupt people. I'm not saying that that is their intention. They probably really believe that they are benefiting people, but they don't understand people uh, the way the Bible talks about people. And the Apostle Paul warned that these people that are just kind of barely escaping. Uh, corruption that that they get overtaken in sin when they hear an irresponsible message. So anyhow, let's talk about let's talk about love and narcissism because you got to say how what do you, why do you how can we ever confuse the two? Well, you know, narcissism is a is a really interesting word. Narcissism is a self centered lifestyle that's characterized by having an excessive interest and one's self uh, at the, or preoccupation with one's own needs at the expense of other people. Now, so what what happens to us, uh, and, and by the way, the core of narcissism fits right into the whole codependency picture. And when you start understanding what codependency is, you start understanding that Codependency feeds narcissism. And you start realizing everything about our science, everything about our schools, everything about our politics, and almost everything about church actually encourages codependent narcissism. Now, almost all of the great positive things that God promises, particularly the things about his love, about his mercy, about his forgiveness, is amazing how these things have devolved into a doctrinal presentation. That really makes it just about the benefit it brings to me, with no regard whatsoever how it affects anybody else. Now, if you have been listening to this series, if you haven't, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because you know it, I, I'm kind of hitting on some challenging stuff today. But it's not all challenging; it's not it's not all hard. But we have to hear this part of it if we want to be responsible in our in our in our walk with God. So, you know, the Apostle Paul is kind of interesting. Throughout the Scripture, the Apostle Paul uh, likens selfishness and self-centeredness to idolatry. Now, what's interesting about that is Anton LaVey, back years ago, I heard him say this with my own ears, Anton LaVey said the truest form of Satanism was not worshiping the devil. The truest form of, of Satanism, he said, was selfishness. Get people to live for their own pleasure, for their own gratification with no concern for anybody else. That is pure Satanism. And so many times what we're doing when we make God love in us is only about us. When there's no, when there's no mention of, of what God's love is, is, is designed to do in our life, what his goal, what his intentions are. And bringing that love. Some people say, "Well, only just it only no, goes love you. No, you need to go read your Bible back, because the you know the nation of Israel was told that if they would walk in God's commandments, that they would have a just uh, nation, they would have good civil laws, they would have a great economy, uh, that they would that their land would grow in abundance, and and so within the commandments, law and the commandments that God gave them was everything that they would need to create a perfect society. Now, keep in mind, people who have a legalistic mind, remember, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the evil, all things are evil. And so people look at the law and say, oh, it's burdensome. It's hard. No, no, you know what? It's not burdensome. If if the law is burdensome, then you're not understanding it. You're applying it for the wrong purposes. Uh, But the real truth is, Jesus said, if we walk with him, that what we do with him is easy to lie. Now, I'm not trying to get you under the law. That's not it. But the Bible explains to us, the apostle Paul explains to us that when we keep the commandments, we're actually walking in love. Why? Because the commandments uh, are a description of what love looks like when it is put into practice. And so we wouldn't know what love looks like if, if we didn't have the law, if we didn't have the commandments. And now the thing is, The law and the commandments have to be applied the way Jesus taught them and the way Jesus modeled them, and He always did that from the perspective of the value that God had for people. We talked about that some in in the uh, last message. You might want to go back and listen to that. But anyhow, one of the things that happened to me in my journey uh, uh, when I got born again, I I didn't go to church growing up. I, I, I probably I count on one hand. The number of times I went to church uh, in my life until I got into into high school, and the only reason I started going to church in high school is because at church you could find the dumbest girls around, and they were easy. They were easy to seduce. They were easy to manipulate because they were so needy and goofed up. And so, so yeah, I went to church for a little while when I was in about about the ninth grade. Didn't go very long. I I decided it wasn't worth it. I could go find I could go find dumb girls anywhere. And I'm not, I'm not beating up on women. I'm just saying that was my mindset when I was, you know, when I was 15, 16, 17 years old. That was it. That, that, that was what I was all about. But when I gave my life to the Lord, I had no church background at all. So, you know, the very first church I ever went to was a Baptist church. I had a great church, a great pastor. Now, they didn't believe in praying for the sick. They didn't believe in, you know, believe believing God for miracles. They didn't believe in any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But they believed uh, in a, living a moral, godly life. And what was interesting, I was so fortunate in the Baptist Church I went to, it wasn't legalistic. There was my pastor taught about grace. I learned about grace in the Baptist Church. I learned a biblical concept of grace. So then, you know, uh, um, you know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit before I ever went to church, and, and it happened in my home, my bedroom at night. And so uh, um, I was trying to find people who had a similar experience to mine. I didn't know it was called the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't know that was even in the Bible, if you don't know the truth. But anyhow, so once I started realizing that uh, this experience that I had, I started looking around. I went and checked out Pentecostal church. I thought, man, alive, I will send the Baptist church for the rest of my life before I'll go to a Pentecostal church. They were mean. They were legalistic. It was, it was the deadest church I'd ever gone to. Well then I ended up in a charismatic church and in a charismatic church man I thought I had found heaven it was man you know people were getting were getting healed people were getting baptized in the holy spirit wonderful things was happening but you know the the phenomenon was all of these things happened inside four walls and they happened in the lives of people who would come inside those four walls you know here uh, the, the church of Christ denomination was born just probably forty-five miles from Huntsville. And so the the strategy back in the early days where the mother the Church of Christ would war against the Baptist church. Anytime the Baptist would build a church anywhere, the Church of Christ would build uh, uh, one of their churches either across the street or, you know, on the on the very next corner. And so the Church of Christ, their whole thing was not going out and trying to win people Jesus. They didn't even believe in in getting people born again i don't think uh or not the biblical version but what they did is they tried to proselyte people from the baptist church i'll tell you i thought that was just the sickest thing i would ever seen but then when i started getting involved with uh, with charismatics i realized charismatics did the same thing they didn't win people to jesus they just tried to get baptists uh speaking in tongues and baptizing the holy spirit and so again I started seeing this thing, of uh, uh, really, of, of narcissism. I wouldn't have called it that in those days, but I started seeing that, that Christians just seemed to want something that benefited them, and they had no value for it benefiting other people. Now, back in those days, this is when I went out and preached on the streets and you know, did all these one-on-one outreaches out on the streets, and so everything everything that was working in my life, I wanted to take it out here to my generation, to the people that were on drugs, people that were on you know, uh, were, were drunks, and, and their lives were messed up. And so anything that benefited me, I saw it as as really as an investment that I could take out to my generation within Jesus. Well, you know, over time, I became familiar with the Word of Faith. I became familiar with the, you know, with the prophetic movement. I became familiar with the healing movements. And, you know, I, when I started speaking in churches, I would get invitations into those places but I was always so incredibly grieved. let me say this. The Word of Faith movement did eventually come around and, and started more than any of these other groups, uh, doing missions and and, and raise, sending out missionaries and, and raising up churches around the world and helping people. So, man, that that really excited my heart. But by and large, the great majority of people in all of those groups, Uh, all, it seemed like all they wanted was something to better their life with absolutely no intention or no passion to take what they had out to the world around them. So, uh, uh, you know, that that just, if there's anything that turns me off, there's anything that that makes me say I'm staying away from you, I don't want to hang around you too much, is I do not want to be around people who are going to breed a narcissistic self-centeredness. You know, if I wanted, if I wanted that, I, I never would have given my life to Jesus. So anyhow, God has a goal. And so, you know, He wants us to experience the Lord Jesus Christ, and He wants us to experience the love of God. But And He wants us to have a great life out of it. But the problem is, if that stops with us, then it stagnates with us. I'll never forget one time. I won't go into a lot of detail because I don't have enough time in this message, but you know, and and by the way, in my audio series, you know, all of these messages are going to be over an hour long. There's going to be a lot of added content. I may even do a couple of bonus messages because there's so much here that that could be covered. But you know, if you're really interested in taking a deep dive on this and you're interested in developing a life where the love of God is being perfected in you, like we have talked about in this series, then, uh, uh, be sure and get the audio, and that will not only be a great investment in your life, but it will be a great investment in the body of Christ because I write books, I make videos, I create audio messages, and they are distributed all, to the church all over the world. We are raising up one billion disciples through uh, starting Bible schools all over the world, and we are taking the message to the ends of there. So you're investing in yourself, you're investing uh, in uh uh, the kingdom of God and you're investing in a lost world so be sure and download that dive into it tonight I'm telling you you you're, you're, you're going to love it but uh you know with Israel and I started talking about this a few minutes ago God wanted Israel to experience his goodness uh and he wanted them to live such an incredible quality of life that when the when the the pagans of the world, when the occult demon worshipers of the world saw how fair their judicial system was, how stable their economic system was. You know, people bash the law, which is, it, am- it amazes me that anybody with one eye and a half cents would bash the law. You know, the, the law of the commandments was the fairest, and still is, the fairest judicial system for civil law that has ever, ever, ever been Created and people who who think it's not are people who misinterpret. They don't. They don't. They don't get it. It's just like people. The same people don't understand the Constitution. They don't understand our laws. They don't understand the good side of it. But but uh, uh, that's that was that was what God wanted to do in Israel. Well, that's what God wanted to do in the church. Well, for two thousand years the church hasn't done that. You know, more than anything, for about fifteen or sixteen hundred years the church uh driven by Catholicism, it didn't have the goal of winning people to Jesus. It didn't have the goal of giving people a better quality of life. It had the goal of raising up a geopolitical uh, theocracy where the church would rule the world via the Pope, the bishops, bishops, the cardinals, the priests, and it was it was just going to be a power structure, for ruling the world it had nothing to do with any of God's goals, any of God's intentions. And so, and so now it falls to us as individuals to do what Israel as a nation wouldn't do, what the church as the body of Christ wouldn't do. The question is, will we as individuals stand up and be what God has called us to be, do what God has called us to do? Will we actually, will we actually go out here and put the, live this life? And let the love of God be perfected in us. Now, now, you know, we've already learned this is that whenever we walk in love, that is the evidence that God's love has been perfected in us. Uh, and so when God's love has been perfected in us, that's when we start having incredible benefits for ourselves, but we also start having benefits that actually help. Other people. Uh, You know, one of the the benefits is that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, people will say that love casts out fear. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says perfect love has cast out fear. So, if love has not come to fruition in my life to such a degree that I love other people, then I don't have perfect love. And that means that whatever I'm calling love will not actually set me free from fear. As a matter of fact, another evidence that we have allowed love to be perfected is that as he is right now raised from the dead, so we shall be in this world right now. Now, if our life doesn't look like the life of Jesus, if it doesn't look like we have been raised up in righteousness, that we are a new creation— if that, you know, if, we, if we're if we living a life that is inconsistent with who Jesus is, inconsistent with what he taught, what he preached, what he modeled, then the real truth is the love of God has not been perfected in us. You know, that's where you get that thing, well, I want God to love me enough to always forgive me of my sins. And, you know, I don't really care how my life affects anybody else. So suddenly you start scrolling down through here and you go, oh, 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 well, wait a minute. Um, Number one, there's evidence of whether or not the love of God has been perfected, and that evidence is I'm going to, I'm going to love people, uh, I'm going to have boldness when I'm faced with judgment, I'm going to live like Jesus did. And so you, you begin to go through all these things. As a matter of fact, you, go, you start reading the book of John, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th chapter about what happens in our lives whenever we actually fall in love with God ourselves, which is One of the aspects of having his love perfected and it brings us to the goal of loving him and actually loving ourselves and loving people. It it fulfills the biblical concept here. Now, one of the things, and I've taught this for decades, you know, before most of these people ever thought about this stuff, I was teaching it uh, 40 years ago about this does have to start with the fact that God loved us first. And it does, it does come about not just because, of, oh, well, great, God loves me. I can live in way I want to know. It's, uh, you know, the apostle John said we have to know, we have to experience and believe the love of God. So if I don't believe the love of God, I can't experience the love of God. If I don't experience the love of God, then his love is not going to be perfected in me. But here's a really interesting thing, and, and I'll go into this in more detail in, uh, uh, in the audio series, but also you might want to get my book, Grace, The Power to Change. And uh, in Grace, The Power to Change, uh, if if you want a biblical concept of grace, uh, great how grace and faith and bearing fruit are all part of the same continuum, you want to get that book, it will not, I'm telling you, it, 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 there's no legalism in it whatsoever, and it's all about how to live in a power that is greater than yourself. But you know, Paul did a really interesting thing, and, and I'm just going to run through this because we only have about four and a half minutes. But so, Paul, and in, in the Book of Corinthians, he, you know, he was receiving an offering that he intended to take and give to the church at, at Jerusalem, or give to the poor, or whatever. And so, so he he talks about uh, these people uh, that had committed to give an offering to help relieve the suffering of other believers. And Paul says something that's so very, very interesting. He talks about how that, um, you know, how that through the Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was rich, he became poor for our sake so that through his poverty, we might be become rich. So the grace of God, remember, grace is God's power, God's ability, God's strength. God's capacity that works from our heart makes us able. And so the grace of God worked in the Lord Jesus Christ so that he was able to give up everything for the benefit that it brought to those who would believe on him. This is what it means when it says, as he is right now being raised from the dead in perfect righteousness, we can be that right here, right now, uh, if in fact we We allow the love of God to be perfected in us. And so Paul talks to them. It's really interesting because he tells them that, you know, just like they're growing in grace. And it's kind of interesting. You remember the the Corinthians were the ones that thought they were so spiritual because they spoke in tongues and because they operated in spiritual gifts. He said, look, just like you have grown in these graces, be sure you grow in this grace. Well, what grace was it talking about? It's about the grace of generosity. Now, it's a really interesting thing. Grace, remember, it's a power, it's an ability, it's a strength, it makes us able, it works from our heart, comes by unmerited favor. So uh, the interesting thing about grace, though, is that is that grace, like all things with God, grace works by the law of the seed. And I'm telling you, everything God does in our life works by the law of the seed. Well, number one, first thing about the law of the seed is, uh, every seed bears after its own kind, you know. And number two is, if you don't plant seed, it can't grow anything because the actually the very first law of the seeds, you got to put seed in the ground, let it die in order for it to ever produce fruit. And so you know, there's all these things that we want, but we don't want to plant that particular seed. Well, you see, Paul is using an example where he explains that the law that the seed that grows prosperity, that the seed itself is actually generosity. And if we uh, if we allow this seed of generosity to grow in our lives, uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, generosity, then it can do something in our heart that moves us to the place where we're able to trust God for for prosperity. And there's nothing wrong with prosperity when you're doing it for a godly purpose, when you're going to use it for a godly purpose. Now, it will destroy you if you want to prosper just for your selfish narcissism. But that's the same thing it with love in that love will, the whole concept of just we are so loved, we are so loved, we are so loved, we are so loved, that will destroy us if that doesn't become a seed that we plant in the ground of our heart, and that seed grows and is perfected, it is developed to such a degree that it produces a fruit that causes us to fall in love with God, fall in love with people, and if it doesn't cause us to fall in love with God and fall in love with people, then it is something that's going to corrupt us and destroy us. Listen, I'm going to tell you what Paul said to the Corinthians. See to it just as passionately as you want to grow in this grace of knowing and feeling and experiencing God's love. Make sure that you grow in this grace of giving God's love. And, you know, that all starts with a choice. I, I choose to believe that based on what Jesus did for me, that God loves me. I I make my commitment that I want this seed in my heart and I want to love other people and I want to be kind to other people and I want to influence other people. Listen, you join me next week. We're going to take another journey in this and be sure and check out all the messages I got for you on drjimrichards.com and impactministries.com. I'll talk to you again next week. Share this with everybody you know.
0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.